0: Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: Today's class is the uh, Li'ilu'i Nishmas for the Elevation of the Soul of Tziyona Masudi Bat, Bat- Yaakov. Yaakov. Today is her Hilul, today is her site. Mm-hmm. So all the learning, you can come. We're up to chapter 41, page 579. This is a very fundamental chapter, previously described that it's not enough, although it's the action, it's the deed that matters most. If you have only action, but no thought, meditation, spirituality, you have the mitzvah, you've done the mitzvah, you have the deed. If all you have is spirituality and love and meditation and awareness, but you don't have the deed, then the main event is missing. In Judaism, Judaism is about action. It's the deed that matters most. Nevertheless, deed alone is not enough. You need deed together with kavanah, with intent. With soul, with fire, with passion, with love, with a sense of awe. Because it's only the love and the feeling and the soul, the personal subjective input, The sensitivity, the sincerity, the focus, the concentration, the devotion, the dedication, it's all of these personal intimate qualities that you invest in the mitzvah that that that's the energy, that's the fuel that causes the mitzvah to expand and to grow because otherwise the mitzvah itself is very narrow, it's action, action is a very constricted, there's no energy, there's no life, it's like in the stone, there's no life in the stone, you don't sense any life in the stone The higher form of life expresses a much greater amount of life, a much greater amount of energy. So when you invest energy into the mitzvah, the mitzvah is elevated and the mitzvah soars and your soul soars together with the mitzvah. What are the energies that propel the mitzvah, that elevate the mitzvah? So he described the two wings. and He uses the analogy of the Zohar, of the bird and the wings. What is the bird? The bird itself, even if a bird is missing wings, the bird is a bird. And it's kosher. Even if it's lacking in wings. It's not a defect. The wings are an addition to the bird. It's not part of the essence of the bird. So the deed is like the bird. Even if there are no wings, but I have the bird, I have the deed. Imagine if all you have are wings, or <laughs> you have are wings you have nothing you have nothing that's real nothing that's alive but what's the ideal? the ideal is a bird that has wings because without the wings the bird remains flat the bird can't fly what causes the bird to fly? those are the wings and you have two wings you have the right wing you have the left wing one wing is the wing of love love to Hashem, you're drawn to godliness, you love, you're attracted to godliness, and that's what motivates you to do the mitzvah because the only way to connect with the divine to touch the divine is through the mitzvah so it's because of your love for for Hashem that motivates you to do the mitzvah, and you invest that love and energy in the mitzvah, you speak the words of prayer with passion, they're alive you're not just they're not just perfunctory, you're not just going through the motions and mouthing words and your mind is elsewhere, you're not paying attention, you're not listening. When you are praying with a sense of love, the words are alive. When you study Torah with a sense of love, the Torah is alive. The mitzvah is alive. And then you have the other wing, which is a sense of awe. When you're in awe of Hashem's presence, when you're in awe of our God, that causes you to not to violate, to trespass, to transgress, that protects you and that makes sure you won't violate the prohibitions, the 365 prohibitions. So these, this is the motivation that motivates a Jew to do the right thing. Now he's going to add that there is a, another motivation besides the love and the awe A simpler motivation, but a more elementary motivation, but a more fundamental motivation. And actually, that is the foundation of a Jew's life. And that is, besides love and besides awe, there's respect. Respect. And that is the foundation a respect for God. That is really the most important thing. That precedes love, that precedes awe. Love and awe are the building, are the wings, but it's not the foundation. The foundation upon which both the love and the awe stand on, the firm foundation is a sense of respect for God, because God is our King. And therefore, like a soldier, respects his king. A servant respects his master. There is respect. This is the, really the foundation for a Jew's life. The Mish- Mishnah, the oral Torah starts with the following law. When do you read the Shema at night? And the answer is when the stars come out. Why is this the very first thing that the Mishnah, the oral Torah begins, the whole Talmud begins with this law? Because the bar mitzvah boy, when he turns 13, when he he becomes an adult, a mature adult, and becomes obligated to do mitzvot, which is the very first mitzvah? What's the very first mitzvah he becomes obligated to do? To read the Shema at night. He turns 13 at night when the stars come out. It doesn't have to be 13 years to the minute. It's the day that he was born. Even if he was born a day before sunset, when after the stars come out, 13 day, 13 years and one day on his birthday he becomes an adult a mature adult and he becomes obligated in all the mitzvot so what's the very first mitzvah he becomes obligated to fulfill the mitzvah of reading the shema and that's why the mishnah starts and the whole oral tradition starts and the whole talmud begins with this law because this is the very first mitzvah which also explains another difficulty that the commentaries wonder because the Mishnah answers the question, when do you read the Shema? When the stars come out. Now it's very, very controversial. As the Talmud itself in the next page brings many opinions that hold no. You begin reading the Shema before the stars come out. And according to Toysviz, this is actually the halacha, this is actually the verdict. As a matter of fact, in most synagogues you go to, they do the mincha, and then immediately they, they do the miru, before the stars come out.
2: But you can say it, they see it after
1: the... Some say it after, and some say that no, they, they follow those opinions that hold. You can say the Shema before. So, why would the Mishnah start with a law that's not universally accepted? But according to this explanation, that the reason why the Mishnah is starting, because we're, we're discussing the Bar Mitzvah, boy, this is the very first Mitzvah becomes obligated. There's one case where everyone holds that when could you read the Shema? when the stars come out. Which case is that? The case of the Bar mitzvah boy. Because before the stars come out, according to everyone, he's not, a, he's, not a, he's not an adult yet. It's only when the stars come out that he becomes an adult. So at that moment, he becomes obligated to read the Shema. So when the Mishnah says, when do you read the Shema? When the stars come out, we're talking about the Bar mitzvah boy. In that case, everyone holds that you read the Shema only when the stars come out. Because before the stars come out, it could be time to read the Shema, but it's not time for this boy. He's a, he's a child. A minute before the stars come out, he's a child. The moment the stars come out, he becomes a mature adult, and he becomes obligated to read the Shema. Why is this the very first mitzvah that the, that the Ba mitzvah boy fulfills? Because when you go, when you build a building, you're a developer, you build a building, what's the very first thing you, you build? The foundation. You saw it? The foundation. And you better make sure that that foundation is solid. The building cracks, not the end of the world. You can tear it down. You can renovate. But if, God forbid, there's a crack in that foundation, your building is worthless. The foundation is the most important. No one ever calls an interior decorator for the foundation. But you better make sure that that foundation is solid. You don't play with foundations. We know. Because there was a crack in the foundation before we started building. What's the foundation? The Mitzvah boy is about to build his life as an adult, as a Jewish adult. What's the very first thing you do? What's the foundation of a Jew's life? Shema, the Talmud says, what is Shema? The Talmud says, why do you say the Shema first and then Vahoyim Shema? First you say the Shema to accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven the yoke of the kingdom of heaven that's the Shema Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein you accept God's sovereignty you accept upon yourself the yoke of the kingdom of heaven then comes if you listen to all the mitzvah then comes the mitzvah you cannot do the mitzvah before you accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven that's the foundation the foundation is respect and the truth is If you respect God, you respect people as well. This is the challenge in our generation. There's zero respect. If you don't respect God, you don't respect people. It goes hand in hand. And what's part of the Ten Commandments? You have to respect. The Torah says, respect your parents. It doesn't say, love your parents. It's not what the Torah says. The Torah says, respect your parents. Honor your parents. To you, your parents are like God. To us, our parents are like God. They gave us life, they gave birth to us, they gave us the ultimate gift, they gave us existence. Everything else is icing on the cake. The difference between non existence and existence is more dramatic than the difference between poor and rich. That's all. That's all superficial differences. But the real difference between non-existence and existence is the most important difference. Who gave us that gift of life? Our parents. For that, we have to honor them and treat them like God. Torah says respect your parents. It comes in marriage. It's the same thing. That's why many marriages fail because they don't know the meaning of respect. Torah says you have to to love your wife like yourself, but you have to respect her more than you respect yourself. And she has to respect her husband beyond beyond respect. Like he's a king. Treat him like a king. The foundation, the key word again is respect. Right at the beginning of the Code of Jewish Law, the very first thing the the Code of Jewish Law tells us then in the morning, what's the first thing a Jew does in the morning? He wakes up. And after he wakes up, Torah says he has to picture, he has to envision that God is standing over your bed. Imagine if the king of kings was standing over your bed. Imagine, imagine if Einstein was standing, you woke up and you realize Einstein was standing over your bed. Or you realize that the president is standing over your bed or the world's richest man was standing over your bed. What would be your reaction? You would just say, okay, let me go back to bed. Let me turn over on my left side. What would be your reaction, honestly? You would jump out of bed. The Torah says, every Jew is obligated, when you wake up in the morning, you have to envision that God, the King of Kings, is standing over you. What's, What's your reaction? To jump out of bed? Again, it's respect. This is the foundation for the rest of your day. It's how you set the tone for the day. The very first impression. How do you set the tone for the day? What's the foundation for the whole day? The foundation for the whole day is the sense of God, the sense of respect. And it's this sense of respect that's really a sense of reality. In a way, it... it It hits home, the reality of God hits home in ways that are more dramatic than your love for God, than your awe of God, that's all, in a certain sense, that's that's the building, that's the surface, but it's not the core, it's not the essence, it's not the foundation. The foundation is respect, because when you respect, it means you take God seriously. And if there's no respect, that means you don't take God seriously and you don't take other people seriously, and you don't take your spouse seriously, and you don't take your children seriously, and you don't, take your, you, don't take other, you don't take your parents seriously. If there's no respect, there's nothing. All the love in the world, and all the awe in the world, and all the spiritual ecstasy, and the spiritual spirituality, and sensitivity, and depth, all of that means absolutely nothing if there's no foundation. If you don't have the simple respect, and this is the foundation of a Jew. When a Jew makes a blessing. When you do a mitzvah, what's the language of the blessing? Baruch atah Hashem. It doesn't matter which mitzvah you do. Any mitzvah, all mitzvah, the very same language. Baruch atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. King. If you do the mitzvah because you love God, you do the mitzvah because you're in awe of God, but you're missing that ingredient, you're not doing the mitzvah because God is your king and He's commanding you and you respect the king. And out of respect for the king, you're going to do fulfill His commandment and do His mitzvah. It's not just a detail that's lacking. You're missing the foundation and you have zero connection to the divine. Zero connection to anything godly and anything holy. You may feel holy and mystical and you feel very good about yourself. It has nothing to do with holiness. Nothing to do with godliness. It's delusional. This keeps you grounded. It's the respect for Hashem. It's what Hasidus calls accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven. Mm-hmm. Accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven. Kabbalah all. Malchut shamayim. A Jew who doesn't have Kabbalah at all no connection to holiness. No connection to godliness. No connection to anything. You can have all the love in the world and all the spirituality in the world and all the sensitivity in the world. But this has to be the quiet foundation. The that could be quiet. But this is the foundation. Melech olam. God is my king. And he's standing over me. And I am his loyal and faithful servant. And a king, it's a two-way street, because God has respect for us. A king, by definition, has respect for his subjects, because without his subjects, he is no king. God has tremendous respect for us, because without us, he is not king. By definition, you can't be king over yourself. No matter how great you are, you can be God Almighty himself. You can't marry yourself, and you can't coronate yourself as king. You can't be king over yourself. Robinson Crusoe can't be king over himself. It's the subjects that make the king who he is. There's no customers. You're not in business. It's not you. You don't make yourself successful. The author doesn't make himself successful. It's the readers that make him successful. It's the the students that make the teacher the teacher. It's not about you. It's It's the essence of communication. It's the essence of respect. You show respect for your audience. He show respect for the other person. The king is showing God by being king is showing the ultimate respect for us because he needs us. And without us, he is not king. And we respond in kind. We show respect for God by respecting him and doing his mitzvah. So even though this is in a certain sense, it's a very low level. It's like the lowest level. It's the simplest level. It's the simplest level of awareness of God. I respect God. There's no great earth-shattering love or great earth-shattering sense of awe. It's just a sense of a yoke of heaven, a sense of the divine, a sense of God being my king. It seems like a very small level, the lowest level. But this low level is actually the deepest, the most profound, the very core, the very essence, and the very foundation of a Jew's life the exact opposite of the way it appears just like the foundation it's the lowest level it's buried deep down in the ground you don't even see it you don't even notice it so to this level of holiness the very elementary the basic the simplest level of holiness you wake up in the morning your mind is not even functioning yet your heart is not even functioning yet you're barely aware but that awareness that God is standing over my bed and saying Mo and jumping out of bed that is the deepest, the most profound, and that sets the tone for the whole day. That becomes the foundation for the rest of your day. The exact opposite of the way it appears to be. Because it's that simple, that clear and simple connection which is really the most important of all. And everything else is just building on top of that. So this is what we call Kabbalah's oil, and this is, like you said earlier, that there are three of the worlds, the world of Bria is the world of intellect the world of formation corresponds to the emotions then you have the world of action the world of action, the awareness of the world of action is very small it's just a respect for God, a sense of God's reality that God is standing over me and God is with me and just a sense of his reality, nothing or shattering nothing overwhelming, nothing esoteric, very simple very basic, very respect for God, God is my king and he is right here and I have a responsibility in, to respect him and to obey his wish and obey his mitzvah that simple awareness if you inject that simple awareness into the Torah into your mitzvah, then the mitzvah comes alive, the mitzvah has the kavanah, has an intent and there is a divine connection, because you are doing the mitzvah you are doing it for divine purpose Otherwise, there's no no sense of the divine. If you do the mitzvah because I don't want God to to, to strike me, I don't want lightning to strike me, that's ego. I'm not thinking about the divine. Or if you're doing the mitzvah because you want God to reward you, I'm not thinking about God, I'm thinking about myself. God, what what can you do for me today? Lord, get me high. It has nothing to do with God, it has to do with me. That's pure ego. I'm not thinking about God. It has nothing to do with God or if you do the mitzvah mechanically again I'm not thinking about God but the minimal the minimal level of lishma, the minimal level of a divine motivation is if you're thinking if you're doing it out of, a sense, out of a sense of respect for God a respect for God, for God's reality
0: do you respect God and not respect your parents? you have
2: to respect
1: your parents you equal to God, God to hold equal as a matter of fact, the Torah exactly equal the Torah. The Torah, the Torah gave the equivalent. You have to respect your parents exactly like you respect God. If you hit your parents, you get stoned to death. Just like if you if you curse your parents, you also get the capital punishment. If you um, you have to respect them, you have to treat them like a Do you god. Ignore their opinion. Oh, listen.
0: I'm not talking about physical. I'm just saying respect.
1: Well, the Talmud discusses what respect is. Respect is if you're the president of the United States, and your your mother's a little, uh, and she comes and slaps you across the face, with a billion people watching, you have to swallow your pride, and not be disrespectful to her. That's what, to that extent. Or if they take, you have a uh, the example they give, you have a pocket full of diamonds. And they take your pack of all the diamonds and throw it into the ocean. Can't disrespect them. Of course, you can take them to court. <laughs> Just because they are your parents doesn't mean they can cause you damage. They can they can lose you know you can lose hundreds of millions of dollars. You take them to court, but you have to respect them. You have to stand up in front of them. You can't call them by their name. You have to you know you have to defer to them. I mean, it, the, the Torah spells out the amount of respect you have to show for your parents, because it's divine. Life is divine. And they are the they ones who gave you their life.
0: So that their
1: Do people? Do
0: people today's generation show that respect to their
1: parents? Well, it, that's the challenge of that's the challenge of our generation. I think the, there's no respect, period, for anyone, for anything.
0: No, I know you said that. that mean, in,
1: in America, the word word respect doesn't exist. I don't <laughs> think that people. I don't think I don't think people even know what respect means. Everyone has rights, but no one knows yeah, what yeah. the word respect means. But it's not just respect, respect for parents. There's no respect for anyone. There's no respect for yourself.
0: Yeah, I'm just up, I'm, 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 There's no respect I'm,
1: for parents. There's no respect for your spouse. There's no respect for God. There's no respect for anyone, for anything.
0: Specifically, because it's in the Ten Commandments. You know, please should honor your, your, mother, your father and mother. That's why I bring the, point, the <coughs> issue up. and that, you really can't, you can't come to respect God if you don't love your parents, because that's the transitional law.
2: That's true. Commandment. That's true. Right, exactly. What if your parents or a parent uh, disrespects you? Or they take advantage of you? Or they do such horrible, terrific, horrific things, whether it's physically, mentally, financially. They take your curds, they make an arrangement with you. uh, I'll do this for ten, whatever it could be. And they you know more than throwing the diamonds at the sea or slapping them in front of public. Is there always regardless that respect and that honor that's due them?
1: You mean worst case scenario of parents abuse their children.
2: No, I am not even going that far. I mean I see it in uh, with myself and with other friends, family businesses that uh go on, the the child is promised the keys to the throne. And then something happened, the parents says, no. I mean, there are different degrees of this, but I mean, is it always blind that way? Is it always honor and give them that respect regardless of how poorly they
1: Yes. Because the respect you give them is for one reason and one reason only because they brought you into this world. They gave you life, gift of life and, and that's everything. everything. Everything else is icing on the cake. Everything else is details. For that you're eternally and forever grateful and respectful and, is, um, that's, and, like and, and, God and that's why that's what it says. that If God would have told you personally to do, you would do anything. So God is telling you that's and the, the that example of the of where they throw your diamonds, uh, they take a hundred million dollars, they throw it into the ocean. How could how could you be respectful at that moment? You, you're burning, you're enraged. But if God Himself is telling you to do that, you would do a lot more, a lot more than that, because God created you and He gives you everything. So God is telling you that these are my partners, and they're the ones, and they the, they chose give you life when they chose to get married and chose to have children, they chose to bring you into this world. And for that, you have to respect them. And it's like a divine, a divine decree. And for that, you respect them, even if it's not reciprocated. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to put yourself in dangerous, for example, if parents are, are if they go mad. You're not obligated to keep them in your house. You can't live with a madman. The Torah, so the Torah, you can put them in an in a, in a institution who can take care of them. You know, you're not obligated to, 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 drive cra- to drive yourself crazy. Also, the question is whether you're financially obligated. You know, I mean, there are the Torah, the Torah, there also, the Torah gives very strong guidelines what you're obligated, what you're not obligated. So someone once came to a great rabbi, and he said, um, he said, my parents don't live in the same town, they live in a different city. So since I'm not obligated to spend money to respect them, so does that mean I don't have to pay a train ticket to go visit them? The so rabbi says, "Start walking." <laughs> who said, whoever, says, whoever says you have to take a train, you have to show respect. You have to show. You have to do your thing, whether it's reciprocated or not. You know, it's that's their problem. Even wicked, wicked parents. Parents who are wicked. Let's say they're evil people. You still have to respect them. If they tell you to violate the law, then you don't have to, Of course, you don't have to respect them. You don't have to. You don't have to listen to them if they tell you to violate the Torah because both you and them are obligated to pay respects to our Father in Heaven. So if they, they can't override a Torah law. Or if they tell you who to marry and not to marry, it's none of their business. It's your life. You're not obligated to listen to them. You, you follow your heart's desire. Or when it comes to studying Torah, your heart pulls you in one-to-one teacher and they say, no, we want you to study elsewhere. With all due respect, you don't have to listen to them. The Torah gives very clear guidelines. It's not black and white. But nevertheless, the overriding principle is that respect is always there. Whether it's reciprocated or not, that's, that's, that's their problem. Dr.
2: Benny was telling us about the Rebbe. He makes time every day to visit his mom. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he, he, was, he showed an unbelievable example of what respect means. Yeah. As busy as he was, every single day he would go visit his mother. Shabbos, Yomtev, Sunday, Monday, every day of the week, didn't matter spend 20 minutes or whatever it was, time with her, pour her tea, speak with her. He was a very busy, very busy man. And it didn't matter. He always had time for her, showed respect for her. And um, someone once came to the Rebbe and he was complaining about his parents. He said, how can I respect my parents? I have so much saris. And the Rebbe says, you know, I would give any, I would give all the money in the world if I can see my mother, whose mother already passed away. If I can see my mother for another minute, you know. Someone who respects Hashem will respect his parents, and vice versa. We we'll grow up respecting our parents, and that teaches us how to respect Hashem, who's our parent of all of us. And you know, that's how you learn how to respect your spouse. That's how you learn how to respect people and even have to respect animals and to respect everything that God created. It's really the foundation of everything. Find a good person, he knows the meaning of respect. Find a person who's not a good person, they could be very spiritual and very deep and very this, but they don't know what the meaning of respect is. No one exists besides themselves. Completely self-absorbed, completely self-centered. They don't even know the meaning that someone else exists outside of them. There's no respect for them. There's no respect for anyone besides themselves. Everything is, okay, what can God do for me today? Lord, get me high. Of course, I feel very spiritual. It's not about God, it's about me. It makes me feel good. You can use your spousals, you use people. You know, and but showing respect. That's the culture we live in. People love money and use people. It should be just the opposite. So we should love people and use money but it all, it all boils down to respect and that's something you learn from it as a child and you learn and that's the foundation when you become bar mitzvah, that's the foundation of every morning when you wake up in the morning how you set the tone for the day and that's really the thread that permeates every aspect of your life it's the silent it's the silent foundation you do a mitzvah, that's why it says you do a mitzvah it's not enough to do the mitzvah out of love you have to do the mitzvah ultimately because God commanded me. And he is my king. And I respect him. And I'm going to do this with a sense, with an awareness. There has to be an awareness. You have to think about it. Baruch ata Hashem Elokeinu melech You are my king. And you have the right to command me. And it's my honor to be able to listen to your command. It's my honor to be able to serve you faithfully and loyally. I'm your faithful soldier, your faithful servant, and it's my honor, and that's my connection. That's the connection between the king and the subject. It's a mutual respect. The king has a respect for his subjects, and the subject has reciprocates and has a respect, respect for the king. That's why the king is compared to the heart. The king is the heart of the Jewish people, the lay. Why not the mind of the Jewish people? The mind is more central because the heart is unique. On one hand, the heart is the strongest muscle in the body. It's the most powerful muscle constantly moving back and forth. On the other hand, the heart is completely dependent because the heart, the blood circulates throughout the whole body and then it comes back to the heart. So the heart is completely dependent on on the rest of the body. So on one hand, it's very powerful and it's the heart but on the other hand is completely dependent on everyone else. The king is completely dependent on a subject. Without a subject, he's no king. And on the other hand, that's what makes him king. That's why he's the heart, because it's mutual. It's in- interdependent. The king is dependent on the subjects. The king respects the subjects. And the subjects respect the king. And that's the glue. That's the connection. That's the plug. Without that, we're not plugged in you can think that you're loving and you can think that you're mystical and you can think that you're deep and you're flying and your feelings and emotions and you're not plugged in when there's melech when there's king and there's that respect that basic simple clarity then you're, you're plugged in then once you're plugged in already now I can have a color TV it could be black and white now you make it more colorful I can have love I can have awe it could be HD you know you can can get very sophisticated you can get very mystical and very spiritual you can have wings and you can soar and you can fly it's all beautiful but if you're not plugged in you have nothing all you have is delusions this is the foundation the Rebbe would tell all the Bar Mitzvah boys to study this chapter especially the beginning to study it by heart to etch it into the memory word for word, letter for letter because this is so fundamental to a Jew's life when they're about to start their life as a Jew as a mature adult this is really this is this is really the whole foundation of a Jew's life. And that's why a child cannot do a mitzvah a child a child's mitzvah are inconsequential. A child cannot write a peer to It's not kosher. A Jewish child writes a peeritfilm, the film is not kosher. The child has to be 13 years old. Because a child is immature. A child doesn't have kavanah, doesn't have awareness. And if you do a mitzvah without awareness, it's not, it is nothing, a mitzvah, a mitzvah alone is not enough. You have to have a mitzvah together with kavanah, you have to have the awareness and the intent. And the minimal intent is the awareness and the sense that God is present. Just like another human being is present. And he's going to quote later, Abi Yochanan ben Zack, the great sage who lived 120 years, like Moshe, and he was the one who single-handedly saved the Jewish people after the destruction of the Second Temple by placing these, by rescuing the institution of Torah. So they asked him on his deathbed, Rebbe, what is your distilled wisdom of 120 years? What's your last message you're going to leave us? What's the, what's, the wise, what's the wise thing, the wise message you have to leave us? He says, you know, you should be afraid of God just like you're afraid of people. That's it. This is the distilled wisdom of 120 years. He says, yes, that's it. He says, now prove it to you. He says, Halavai. Halavai. Your fear of God should be like the fear of people. And the proof is when there's a stranger in the room, how do you behave? Somebody's watching, somebody's looking. I'm not gonna do anything that's I'm not gonna embarrass myself, someone is watching. When the door is locked, And nobody's watching, nobody's looking. We don't know how we behave. But God is here. God is watching. God is looking. So what does that mean? That God is is so much a non-reality to us that the little shmendrik, the nobody, the stranger we don't even know, is more real to us than God is. So you delude yourself. Yeah, God, me and God are like this. Really? Whom are you kidding? God is so much not a reality to you, it's so much a non-entity to you that when a stranger is in the room, you wouldn't behave a certain way because a stranger is watching. But God is watching means absolutely nothing to you. So it means your whole, your love and your mysticism, it's delusional. You don't even have the basic, the simplest the most fundamental, the common, the foundation. If you don't have that respect for God, that God is a reality, a presence that's standing right before me, not less than a stranger. That is the foundation. And if you don't have that, you have nothing. That's the plug. Without that, you have no connection to holiness. All you have is delusions, no reality. So this is the distilled wisdom of Yochanan Mezak, 120 years.
0: <laughs> how would you characterize the first commandment, Ten Commandments, Nochi Hashem, in your discussion of respect? Because you know the first first commandment is courage to have, to believe. That's where it starts. So I again, mean, yeah, I'm losing. I want to see how you tie the respect in to because it starts there. You know.
1: Faith in God is the foundation. Without without sure. faith in God, without the existence of God, uh, there's nothing. But what he's discussing here that there's there's three mitzvah. There's a mitzvah. One of the six hundred and thirteen mitzvah is to love God. One of the six hundred and thirteen mitzvah is to be in awe of God. And one of the six hundred and thirteen mitzvah is to serve God. Three three separate mitzvah. So fear, awe, and serving are two separate mitzvah. That's the point that he's making. That's that, that's what he's emphasizing in this chapter. That there's a mitzvah to be in awe of God, but there's a more fundamental mitzvah, separate mitzvah to serve God. Oh. What does serving God mean? Serving God means that God is the king. God is my king and I am his faithful uh, servant and I'm his faithful soldier and I have an obligation to serve him. That's, the found- that's what he's discussing here. That's the respect that I am serving God and I'm, I'm doing a mitzvah because God commanded me to do the mitzvah. So
0: separate from. Another-
1: yeah, anochi is everything. Anoichi is is without the anochi, there's nothing. Without God, that's the existence of God, the reality of God. Without that, here we're talking about. In in a way, it's something very simple. Anoichi is the foundation. It's you it's the you're crown. The first by what you're well, all the mitzvahs define the first commandment in a sense. <laughs> all the all the mitzvahs all the mitzvah define the first commandment. But but this is this is in a way. The Kabbalists talk about the noichi is like the crown. You know, that's but this is like the simplest level, the action, the foundation, the simplest, the basic, the minimal. But this minimal is really connected to the crown. Actually, the lowest and the highest are connected. So you're right. In a sense, it's this mitzvah of serving God, being like a servant, which is very minimal, because there's nothing earth-shattering here. When there's love, there's earth-shattering. You love God, you're attracted to God. There, you feel mystical, you feel spiritual, you feel inspired. When there's awe, you feel awe. Your heart is, is, is palpulating. But here, it's something very basic. It's, it's, it's I'm a servant, discipline, yoke, responsibility. God is here, I respect him. He's standing over me. It seems to be very minimal and very basic and very fundamental. But this simple, basic, fundamental... Is really the deepest, touches the deepest place, touches the crown, touches the Anochi. touches the reality of God. So the two are connected. The lowest and the highest are connected. That's why the crown is the king. King, who wears the crown is the king. The king on one hand is the simplest, because the king is communication. Communication in a certain sense is the lowest level. You don't need to communicate for yourself. If you're alone, there's no. you're not going to talk to yourself. A person doesn't need communication. Communication is superficial, is external. It's to talk to someone outside of yourself. So in one hand, it's the most superficial. Speech is totally superficial to the person, and yet it's the deepest. It's speech and communication that's king. The person who could communicate. Our age is the communication age, and that's why business exploded a thousandfold. Communication is king. In marriage, when there's communication, when it's not about yourself, you can create, godly, godlike. You can create a, bring a new life into the world. Communication is king. The, the, what seems to be the most superficial is really the deepest and the highest. So this serving Hashem and accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven, the, the, the most elementary, the most es- is really the most essential and touches the crown. This is where you're fulfilling the mitzvah of really um, knowing God in a real way and on that you can build, once you're plugged in, then you can build everything else once you have a healthy foundation, a solid foundation on on that you must build not only you could build, you must build a person has to develop a love you have to develop a sensitivity you have to develop a mystical feeling a spirituality a sense. you have to fine tune yourself, you have to be open you have to switch channels, you have to be open to different channels of spirituality, of of comprehension of awareness, of love of, of awe but you can't build unless you have this foundation. So Yona Masudi, should have an aliyah. You should give her a lot of nachat. She should be a good mevakechet. Vashelech, uh, l'mshich uh, kol lebrachot. Me Hakadosh Baruch Hu, shidochim, ladim, chayut, The Rebbe would always remind us that we are a unique generation. There's never been a generation like ours, and there never will be. We are the transitional generation, the last generation of Golas of exile, and we will be the first generation of Gaula, of redemption. What an awesome privilege we have, and what a sacred responsibility we carry on our shoulders. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to bring the curtain down on the Golas, once and for all? Well Mashiach himself gave the secret away in his famous encounter with the Baal Shem Tov. He tells the Baal Shem Tov that when your wellsprings and the teachings of Hasidus will spread to every corner of the world, then and only then will Mashiach come. And therefore the Alter Rebbe sacrificed his life to carry out this directive to the Baal Shem Tov by writing and publishing the Tanya. And all the Rebbis sacrificed themselves to publicize and to expound on the teachings of the Tanya. And the Rebbe, the seventh, the Shabbos of all the Rebbes, published over 6,000 Tanyas, literally in every city of the world. And now, for the first time in history, through LessonsInTanya.com, Tanya in depth is available and accessible. 24-6 to hundreds of thousands, Jews as well as non-Jews, in dozens of countries, all around the world. Now that you've had the personal experience and the pleasure to study the Tanya, we ask you to please partner with us to make the entire Tanya available and easily accessible to each and every Jew and to the entire world. Please help turn the wish of Mashiach, the dream of the Al Eber, and the vision of the Rebbe into a reality. On behalf of all of us here at LessonsInTanya.com thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. And a special thank you for the good deed that you're about to do. In honor of your tzedakah we will merit the coming of Mashiach now when we'll learn Tanya from the Rebbe himself. Thank you.